Well, good evening. Welcome to Tuesday evening chapel. Welcome to winter. We got some snow, right? That's great. Welcome to our first of our Advent uh, chapel services for 2012. Amen. Thank you for coming this evening. Our speaker for this evening is Director of Pastoral Ministries and one of our professors here at Nazarene Bible College, uh, Dr. James Russell. Let's welcome him. Advent. What, what is Advent? Advent is, is a period of spiritual preparation in which Christians make themselves ready for the coming or the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I hope and anticipate some of you have been already celebrating Advent at your local church. And this evening we're going we're gonna to start the first of our Advent chapel services. Many Christians celebrate Advent not only thanking God for Christ's first coming to earth as a baby, but also for the presence, His presence, among us today through the Holy Spirit. And so, and we, we celebrate Advent as well uh, for, in preparation and anticipation for His coming. And we believe that He is going to come again. Amen? Amen. So we're going to celebrate this evening uh, through the lighting of a can, candle and also through the reading of Scripture and also with the responsive reading. Let us begin with the responsive reading. I will read first and you will follow. There it is. Okay. Our responsive reading comes from Isaiah. It says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. We join with sisters and brothers around the world, lighting candles to mark our steps in this Advent journey. Even, through the, even though the world seems dark and cold, we know that the light of Christ is coming. The face of our Lord will shine, and we shall be saved. Against all suffering and darkness, we kindle this Together we proclaim to the world that Christ, we have hope. Amen. In Christ, we have hope. Let us stand together as we worship in song as well. What a wonderful theme we have for our worship service this evening, that God has come, He is with us, and He brings to us a hope that cannot be found in any other place, in any other person, in any other way. In a moment, 
Dr. Powers and Dr. Attig are going to read some scriptures for us. And these scriptures capture for us this theme of hope during this Advent season that reminds us that in Jesus, hope is promised. And in Jesus, hope is provided. And in Jesus, hope is perpetual. Listen to the reading of God's word. reading two uh, selections from the Old Testament. The first one comes from Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. The Lord God said to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. The other reading is from Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. I'm reading from Matthew chapter 12 verses 9 through 21. Going on from that place, Jesus went into their synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, If any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out, and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. Aware of this, Jesus withdrew from that place. Many followed him, and he healed all their sick, warning them not to tell who he was. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Here is my servant whom I have chosen, the one I love in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will, he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not quarrel or cry out. No one will hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out till he leads justice to victory. In his name, the nations will put their hope. The word of the Lord. I love the Advent season. It is a time in which we celebrate the promise that was given to us in the very beginning of man's history. You know, 
when we talk about hope, the opposite of hope would be hopelessness. I've not had very many times in my life when I felt hopeless, but those times, few as they were, are very vivid in my memory. I don't think there's anything worse than feeling hopeless because you kind of come down to the end of yourself. You think, what in the world could possibly happen next? Can I endure this? Where world do I go from here? And so in the midst of a dark world where many people were feeling that way, and especially at the time when Jesus came, can you imagine the anticipation of the shepherds when they heard the angels say, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests, the peace and favor of God. Now there's a reason to have hope. This message comes at a time when most of the people of Jesus' day felt pretty hopeless under Roman rule and it looked like all the promises of God were not quite coming together. And you and I have been there. I think we all understand that. There's just been those times you think, I think God's forgotten my address. Have you been there? As they say, where well, I'm from the South, can I get a witness somebody? <laughs> you know? But the Lord never forgets our address. The fact of the matter is, just about the time we think, I don't know that I can take any more of this, you know what happens, don't you? Just as Paul prayed for the Roman church, God comes through just like this. I love this prayer in Romans 15, 13. Paul says, May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm here to tell you God still answers that prayer. If you believe that, say amen. amen. And I'm hoping that today that you find yourself right now overflowing with the hope of the Lord. In the scriptures that were shared by Dr. Powers and Dr. Attic, we have for us three incredible things about hope that we must never turn loose of. The first one is hope is promised of God. Let's think about that from Genesis 3. Now try to put yourself there. I don't know if you've ever thought about this before, but as I was working on this message, it dawned on me, I'd not thought this through before. But if you were Adam and Eve, and you just got kicked out of the garden, <laughs> how do you think they felt? I've tried to figure out the, the, the emotions maybe that they were going through, and I can't help but think that they're probably saying to themselves, now what? What next? I mean, the world is turned upside down. It's nothing like it's been up until this point. Sin has ruined everything. Been there? haven't you? Sin never brought anything good for very long. It always ensnared us, turned our world upside down, and never gave us what it promised. Amen? Well, that's kind of where they are, and I think they must have felt somewhat hopeless, but in the middle of God explaining what was going to happen and how things were going to come about, he talks to the serpent, and I'm sure Adam and Eve are standing there listening to this, and we have that great promise. There will come one who will crush your head. You know what that means? I think God is saying to Adam and Eve, sin has messed up everything, but that's not the end of the story. Have hope. For there is one who will come through woman. That's the virgin birth. And he will crush the head of the serpent. In other words, Satan, your time is coming. Your time is coming. You will not be victor forever. Sin will not ruin my creation forever. There will be one who will crush your head. Aren't you glad that we know that one? And that's Jesus Christ. Amen? Well, suddenly I think there begins to be some hope in Adam and Eve's heart. 
Now, a long time takes place between the time when this promise is given, where hope is promised, and where hope is provided. But here's the thing. If you think about it, this is very much the way it is in our lives today. We have this promise of the Lord that he will never leave us nor forsake us. We have this promise of the Lord that he will supply all of our needs. We have this promise of the Lord that he will fill us with hope overflowing. But sometimes we don't see it automatically. It doesn't always happen immediately. And there were thousands of years and many generations that would go by of God's people with prophets foretelling it's coming, it's coming, it's coming before it happened. But here's something that I've learned about hope. When you have the kind of hope that the Bible teaches, we understand that hope means God doesn't have to work on my timetable. God doesn't have to do it the way I think he's going to do it. God doesn't even have to do it when and how I wish he would do it. But I can be assured of one thing. Because I have hope, God is going to come through. Paul says in Romans 8, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not have, we wait for it patiently. Don't like waiting, do we? We don't even like being patient, do we? But there's something wonderful. I want you to catch this. You see, the word for hope in Scripture is not wishful thinking or maybe thinking or someday thinking it could be thinking. Hope is the positive expectancy that God will act on our behalf in just the right way and at just the right time. Will you read that with me? Hope, the positive expectancy that God will act on our behalf in just the right way and at just the right time. If you believe that, say amen. amen. Because that's what the word ellipsis means in the New Testament. Not a wishful thinking, but an absolute assurance. God is sovereign. He is in control. I belong to him. He will cause all things to work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are the called according to his purpose. Amen. Isn't that good news? In a world where the pieces don't often fit and where things tend to fall apart, it's good to know that we can have hope that God will come through. I like what Paul said to the church at Rome. We haven't seen it yet. Yet's an important word for people of faith and hope. Here's what it means. I'm praying God hasn't answered yet. I've laid it before the Lord. He hasn't come through yet. But at the right place and at the right time, in God's great wisdom and in his power, he will come through. For the old hymn writer was right when he said, the promise of God is true. What he says he will do, for he never has failed me yet. Can I get a witness? Amen. You bet that's true. For you see, in Jesus, hope is provided. God kept his promise. He brought in Jesus Christ 
All the hope that was wrapped up in that original promise in Genesis 3.15 and in every prophecy of every prophet foretelling the people, God will come through. God will give a Savior. God will give a Messiah. God will be our deliverer. And aren't you glad that that's true today? Now, in Matthew 12, we're introduced to a very unique situation. Here's a man who's gone to church, and he's got a problem. He's got a withered hand. Now, I have a feeling, as I was looking at this passage, I thought to myself, based on how the Pharisees acted, I'm pretty sure that the man who had the withered hand did not go to church expecting a healing service. Right? After all, this is the Sabbath day. You don't do that kind of stuff on the Sabbath day, do you? So here's a man who I think must have felt somewhat hopeless. Think about it. Man can't help him. Doctors can't help him. And it doesn't look like the spiritual rulers are too interested in helping him. After all, this is a Sabbath day. We've got to be spiritual. We can't do anything to help people, you know. But then Jesus comes on the scene. And Jesus says to the man, stretch out your hand. And it became whole just like the other one. And suddenly this man who is in a hopeless, helpless situation encounters Jesus. Have you been there? Isn't that who he is? Isn't that who we serve as Savior and Lord? And then Matthew goes on in that passage to tell us that this and the, and the subsequent healings that would take place are part of the fulfillment of what Isaiah said would be true of the Messiah, Redeemer, Deliverer. I like the way Matthew quotes Isaiah here. I'll put my spirit on him. So that everywhere Jesus was, there the power and the presence of God was evident. I don't know about you, but one of my prayers as a pastor was always, Oh God, give us an Isaiah 6 experience in church today. When people walk on these doors, I want them to feel your power and your presence and your love and your grace and your peace. Do you go to church expecting that? You ought to. Amen? I'll put my spirit on him. He will proclaim justice to the nations. How refreshing that is in an unjust world to know that God can bring and cause things to work together in a just way. I love this. A bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. Have you ever felt like a reed that was just about to break? <laughs> Have you ever felt like, man, the light on my candle just about to go out? Well, in times like that, what we don't need is a bunch of religious junk that won't help us any. What we need is a Savior who comes in and strengthens the reed and brightens the flame. And I got good news for you. I found this is true. When I was down and out, Jesus always lifted me up. He never put me down. Amen? Amen? Aren't you glad we have that kind of Savior? In his name, the nations will put their hope. Now, the concept of the nations here is not just geographic and not just a global thing, but it's the idea that this positive expectation for God to act on the basis of humanity will be for everybody for all time who puts their trust and their confidence in God. Well, not only in Jesus is hope promised, and not only in Jesus is hope provided, but in Jesus, hope is perpetual. 
The hope that we have in Jesus is not just momentary. It just doesn't get us just through this one time and maybe the next time. But in reality, when you look at Isaiah's description of who Jesus is, no wonder we have hope. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Let's look carefully at that description. The government will be on his shoulders. This means in the Hebrew that he's the one who holds the scepter. He's the one who has the sword. He's the one who has the authority. God has all the power and authority he needs. Jesus is Lord. Amen? Jesus is God. When we celebrate Advent, when we come to Christmas, we're celebrating that God has not only come among us, but among us he comes for us, Lord, with the authority to give to us all the grace, peace, and hope we need for every life situation. A wonderful counselor. In the Hebrew, Pele means wonder, marvelous, Miraculous. And the word for counsel, counselor, Yawatz, means one who gives advice, one who guides, one who has the wisdom. And when you put those together, this miraculous wonder of a counselor, what you have is there's nobody else in this world we can turn to who can do for us what Jesus can do. Do you believe that? He's a wonder of a counselor. He must have got his counseling degree from Dr. Lambright. I hope not. Oh. <laughs> Mighty God. This describes his awesome ability to execute his will. For he is God. Jesus is the mighty one. Everlasting father really in the Hebrew means the, father's, the father of eternity. It's the idea that John captures in John chapter 1. And I like the way it's stated in the living Bible. Before anything else existed, there was Christ with God. He's always been alive and is himself God. He has always been alive and is himself God. Did you get that? Christmas isn't when Jesus becomes. Christmas is when Jesus becomes flesh among us. He created everything there is. Nothing exists that he didn't make. Eternal life is in him, and this life gives light to all mankind. His life is the light that shines through the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Amen. And he is the Prince of Peace. The provider of shalom. Our complete well-being. He has the authority as the Prince of Peace to provide this for us. And then Isaiah 9, 7. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. That's why I say this peace is perpetual. The peace, the joy, and the hope that we have in Jesus has no end. It is perpetual. We can, we can and will experience it every day of our lives from now throughout all eternity if we put our trust and confidence in him. That's why I think the devil attacks us in ways to try to rob us of our joy, of our hope, and our peace. Because in order for him to do that, we have to take our eyes off the Prince of Peace. But don't do it. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Amen? Amen? So then, when we think about who Jesus is, 
And that's what I hope you'll do during this Christmas. Don't let the busyness of it rob you of stopping to think about who Jesus really is. More than just the baby in a manger, as important as that is, he is the Prince of Peace. He's the Everlasting Father. He is the Mighty God, the Wonderful Counselor. He is all of these things to us now and forevermore. And like the disciples, then we would say to Jesus today, to whom else can we turn? There is no one like Jesus. Amen? So, what? How does that impact me? Well, as we come to this Advent celebration, I want you, in, even in these next few moments, to take the time with me to stop and think about what it means that Jesus is Lord, that he is this wonderful counselor, that he is the mighty God, that he is the father of all eternities, that he is the prince of peace, that he has the power and longs to and wants to give us peace and hope in all of our situations. He is a wonderful Amazing counselor. I, I like the concept of counselor as it describes the Holy Spirit, the parakletos, the one who comes alongside us. And I encourage you tonight to see Jesus coming alongside you. And he says, have hope, for I am with you. He's the mighty God. He has the ability to bring hope into a hopeless situation. He is the eternal Lord who will establish justice and righteousness. He will have the final word in everything that you and I face in this life and in the life to come. And to that we say amen and thank you, Jesus. So now what do I do with that? Well, as you look upon this candle this evening, and I'd like to ask you just to do that, if you will, just to focus on that candle for a moment. That candle represents Jesus, who is the hope of the world. Do you believe Jesus can bring hope and peace into your life right now, regardless of what you're going through? Do you believe that God keeps his promises and that he's able to do what he says he will do? Peter says to us in 1 Peter 3, but in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. And the word here for set apart is the word sanctified. God not only sets us apart unto him, but he wants to sanctify our hearts in such a way that our love and devotion and consecration, we set ourselves apart to him. And so I ask you this evening, have you come to that place in your life where you have allowed God to cleanse you of that carnal nature that would cause you to turn to other things for hope and peace and purpose and allowed him to fill your heart with his love and to give you a holy heart, a sanctified heart that cries out, I have no king but Jesus. I have no hope but Jesus. I have no savior but Jesus. In Jesus, I put my trust. Are you facing a situation that seems hopeless? Will you trust Jesus to give you hope? Are you waiting for God to answer a prayer? I've been praying that prayer for a long time. Well, he just hasn't answered yet. Amen? Can you say with confidence today, I know the Lord will act on my behalf in just the right way, 
and at just the right time? Can you say Jesus truly is the reason for the hope that lies within me and I know he is the reason for the season? How you answer those prayers determines, is determined by whether or not you believe that Jesus was really all those things. He didn't just save us from our sins. He recreates us and fills us with hope and love and peace and joy and assurance and everything we need for godliness, holiness, and life. Bow your heads with me as I lead you in prayer. I want to ask that you'd let your heart be an altar where you meet with God in this very moment as we pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you for you are, as Paul said, the God of hope. Help us to trust you today. Help us to embrace the true meaning of hope, which is to have a positive expectation that you are going to act on our behalf in the right way and at just the right time. Oh, wonderful counselor, come alongside each and every one of us that we may sense your encouragement and love. Give us wisdom and show us what you want us to do in the situations that we face. And let us not forget, Jesus, you are the mighty God. You are able to bring hope and peace to all men everywhere. And let us believe that for ourselves, our families, our friends, and for all who you have placed in our circle of influence. Enable us to declare this very day, Jesus is the reason for the hope that I have in my heart. He truly is the reason for the season that reminds us that he has come to bring hope and blessing and the favor of the Lord to all who will believe on his name. And we pray this in the sweet and precious name of Jesus, the Prince of Peace, whose rule will have no end. And the children of God said, Amen. Would you stand together, please, both for the benediction, and then I have something I want you to say with me at the end of the service. Listen again to the words of the Apostle Paul. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Say this with me. The Lord will fill me with hope as I trust in him. Say it again. The Lord will fill me with hope as I trust in him. Now say it one more time like you really believe it. Ready? The Lord will fill me with hope as I trust in him. Go and may your hope overflow.